What's going on, fellas? Hey, how's it going, Tony? Nothing. Good. I'm excited for this uh, cold and cold opening. Saturday it's going to be freezing cold in here in just a minute <laughs> with their cold opening. Um, I got to hear it. I listened to your show last week with James Paco Toussaint. How do you think that one went? First, let's actually, how was the, the pumpkin tournament in oh, Rochester? Pumpkin was rocking. We had a big pumpkin and a little pumpkin this year. Yeah, okay. We, we were talking a little bit before Digging we hit bit. the record on it. Is the, we, it was legit PWA teams that didn't have a double A in, that had a double A in front of them. So right. it was you know, your big associations, and Woodbury won that. And then Minnetonka won the big pumpkin. Uh, they were the first unseated team. So we have one through eight to nice. so get a bye, and then the nine through 24s play to get in. Right. And unseated Minnetonka, poor old little Minnetonka. Yeah, oh, right. poor old little Minnetonka. <laughs> right. yeah. They won the pumpkin. It was fun to see. Yeah, you know, it was fun. Cool. A good team with eight, nine first year kids on their team won the tournament. So wow. They're, they're loaded. They're loaded. Yeah, cool. So that was good. Shout out so, to Thank you again for, you know, uh, sponsoring the show. So thank you. Awesome. So let's hear about Paco. Uh, I knew about Paco before the deal, so I, when I listened to your guys' pod, it was fun to learn about him. I didn't know he went to St. Louis Park High School. That yeah. was cool. Right. Yeah, that was the first time uh, I met him. So it was, you know, it was a great story. Interest, very interesting guy. Had a lot to unpack. So, who's got more energy, Paco or Anthony? <laughs> uh, I would give Anthony the really. Slight edge. It's close. Yeah, it's close. It's it close. close. It's close. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Poor Kendall. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah it was just the energy in the room was incredible. He was just it was lightning strikes left and right. He was ducking here and there. So yep. no, we uh <laughs> he made it through, thank God. <laughs> so who who we got coming on today on the pond? We got uh Jazz Miley. Uh she's someone who grew up uh in Queens, New York, um and actually played a little college hockey uh at the same school that I did. Really? Yeah. Who was more popular at Finlandia, you or Jazz? Uh, I would say jazz. Jazz yeah. was okay. She's kind of life of the party. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We're gonna, are we going to hear a little bit about that on the yeah, pod we too? Can, we can sneak a little bit of that. Oh, in sure. there. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder because Anthony's, you know, a showstopper in of mm-hmm. itself. You know, he's like the Elvis, right? Right. Um, maybe more James maybe Brown, more. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Like just the, the life <laughs> of the party. Like, I wonder if you're going to get more airtime today because of your connection with jazz. What yeah, do you think? We'll Is see. it going to be close or no? Yeah, it'll, it'll be close, close, but yeah. uh, no, I definitely going to. Defer to Kendall over here, hundred percent. Yeah, how's your open? How's your intro going to be today of of jazz? Is it going to be good or is it going to be excellent? It's going to be phenomenal. I think it is going <laughs> to be too. Well, I'm looking forward to learning about it. Uh, you guys kicking butt here on hockey is for everybody. I can't wait to hear this one and see the thing grow. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. I can do what I wanna and make you a believer. Here you say I from stadium to street corner. I make you a believer. Make you say I. I can do what I wanna. Welcome to the Hockey is for Everybody podcast. I'm your host Anthony Walsh here with Kendall Bowen Porter checking in, and we have an amazing guest for you today. We have Jazz Miley, and uh, as you kind of heard a little bit earlier, we're gonna let Kendall start it off. Go ahead, Kendall. Thank you so much. Yeah, we have a great guest today, Jazz Miley. Uh, we actually went to college together for a couple of years. So, um, you know, it was great to see. I haven't caught up with her in quite a while. So uh, just to see all the stuff that she's accomplished in a short amount of time is, you know, awesome to see. So we want to welcome our guest, Jazz Miley. 
Jazz, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> so, so yes. excited. And um, so we understand, right, you're born in the Queens, New York, or you were, grew up in the Queens, New York. Yes, born in Flushing, so the borough of Queens. Okay, that's very cool. Is that Jamaica, Queens, the 50 Cent area? Ew, no. no. <laughs> she said ew. No, between Woodside and Forest Hills. Okay, very cool. Nice. Forest, yep, there we go. J. Cole, is that a little shout-out there? Next Forest Hill Drive. Um, so kind of, you know, hockey podcast here. I, I I realized that you started when you were 13. So does that yeah. to you seem late at all? Or have you oh, ever yeah, heard that before? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so tell us a little about oh. a bit about that. How does a 13-year-old get into playing hockey? Yeah, so – I had moved into a new neighborhood and, you know, being the new kid on the block, you just want to make friends. And my next door neighbor, who is of Dominican descent, had a bunch of nieces and nephews. And one of the girls that happens to be the same age as me um, invited me out. And I'm telling you, it was like love at first sight. (laughs) And it was over from there. (laughs) Love at first sight. I remember Kendall at some point, the love of the game. And that kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. So another question is like, you know, how far we get kind of spoiled here. We're in Minnesota, you know, we got, you know, land of 10,000 lakes and almost every one of them have a, you know, ice rink on them in the winter. But, you know, did you have to travel a lot or far to get to, you know, rinks and things like that? Yeah. So where I was was like basically in the in-between where my mom, who was my sole provider, if she was unable to take me to practice, I would have to hop on the Long Island Railroad or just the subway, whether it's to the city or into Long Island. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is so powerful. Uh, really, so you had mentioned earlier your friend that was Dominican. Um, that kind of helped you get into the game. And uh, one, uh, you know, do you still keep up with them? Uh, you know, what is their uh, access to the game? And then two, uh, what is it like being an Afro-Latina in, in the game? And, uh, you know, how, how did you stay motivated maybe when there wasn't a lot of representation and you were, you know, bringing yourself to the rink from such an early age? Yeah, so uh, my friend Taylor, she ended up quitting hockey her freshman year of college. Just, you know, she just didn't have the love for it. Like, you know, um, like many girls at that age kind of have to pick and choose a social life or wanting to pursue hockey further. Um, but for myself, you know, I... Prior to hockey, I was always in tune on my my black side and my Hispanic side. So going into hockey, I never wanted to hide it. I embraced it fully. And for those who didn't really care for me or my culture, which is kind of like, ah, oh, you're lost. But, you know, it helped me get through it because I had the support on both sides of my family. And coming into it now, I have a whole organization who share the same culture as me and i love the being black and proud that is a such a powerful statement and um you know say a lot loud and proud and uh appreciate that yeah that's that's an awesome uh, outlook because you know just pushing through because we've talked about it on here you know like you know especially you know almost from our own people sometimes you know they're like why are you playing hockey like it's not a you know, black sport or whatever it may be, but so uh, it's always good to hear that 
know. So on that as well, right, you, you talked about your organization. Is that HPOC movement? Yes. Okay, yeah, very familiar with that. Um, uh, wow, again, so incredible. Can you talk a little bit about why you started that, how you started it? Yeah, so when I was playing in Norway, I was kind of in this, I would say depressive state because not only being away from my family, but being in a country where I was literally by myself, where there was a slight language barrier where, you know, I had to use Google Translate or speak slower. And mind you, being a New Yorker, we speak very fast. So having that, it was impressive, like I said. And I was talking to one of my friends that I played uh, high school hockey with in New Jersey about everything we had gone through, going to two different universities and being treated the same and just pouring our hearts out and just talking about how we need to create something where the future generation doesn't have to go through what we went through. And it's very clear, even to this day, that you have 10-year-olds going through racial issues. So how could we, as a community, help these kids where they don't feel alone? Because a lot of times, organizations are predominantly white. You have your handful of Asians in different age groups, but not so much of Black, Latino, or Middle Eastern Americans. So I wanted to create a safe space where these kids can have mentors, someone to speak to, parents, just having someone to talk to and get some insight or even being able to donate gear or money since hockey is an expensive sport, unfortunately. Yeah, that's for sure. It's uh, so expensive. Uh, you you had mentioned a few things that I want to dive deeper into jazz. So the first is I want to say, I actually lived in Norway as well. Um, I lived in Mos, which is about 45 minutes outside of Oslo. Um, I, I went to school there and I uh, interned there. So a little bit about Norway, you know, talk about your experience there with language barrier. I understand that using Google Translate. Um, you know, what were maybe, um, you know, positives and negatives of playing there and some of the people and then, um, you know, the depressive state, I, uh, you know, dealt with a lot of that as well, depression growing up and, um, you know, uh, how did you deal with that and what were some of the things that you would recommend for people that might be in a similar situation? And, and, you know, in particular from a hockey space, right, a lot of junior hockey players um, are away from families and are, you know, playing in unfamiliar places and living you know, with families that, you know, maybe they build it in a lot of stuff like that. So like, what kind of stuff would you be able to tell them to persevere and push through? Because clearly you have, and um, you've, you've done so in such a, an incredible way that I think your insight would be really incredible to have here. Yeah. So I had went to Norway. I was in Oslo. Um, for, uh, I briefly played for Valranga, probably pronouncing it terribly but uh -huh. I had went there shortly after playing in Hungary and unfortunately the team I was playing for in Hungary was refusing to transfer my card there so I can play so I was unable to play any league games so that alone was just you know where I have tatted on my chest is hockey my escape from life so being in a country where 
I'm supposed to be playing hockey and unable to play hockey to the fullest because of this transfer card ordeal was very aggravating. And then between playing with girls who were much younger than me, unfortunately, like the league that we were in, you know, you have girls who are 16 and the oldest at the time was like in her thirties. So even though the skill was great, but just, being in that situation was not the greatest. And I was able to fortunately meet a lot of good people outside of the hockey community where I was able to hang out with, but still wasn't the same. But I was fortunate in a sense that I was able to go home early because um, COVID had just hit. So I was able to just kind of figure my shit out from there. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're, but, you're good. No, you're good. <laughs> but uh, just being able to figure my stuff out on top of creating HPOC, that really pushed me in itself to really get through everything and just, you know, really big on the, if you're going through something, talk to someone because bottling it up doesn't help. So just having that outlet to talk to someone is one of the biggest things to get through it rather than just keeping it inside because that you're only hurting yourself. For sure. Oh, Thank you for that answer. advice. That's yeah. an incredible advice. Thank you, Jazz. So yeah. just staying on your kind of your professional career, I know you went to a few different countries. Uh, what, what was one of your uh, favorite moments over there or favorite, you know, parts of the country that you got to see? Um, I would say like aside from Norway, Finland was like one of my favorite places to play. I had a host family who I'm still very close with that keep, we have a family group chat and, you know, they always text (laughs) me like, Hey, like when are you coming back? Like one of the girls, Ada, who is a goalie who I played with, Mm -hmm. who was supposed to come to Boston to come play in a tournament with her team and everything. And we're trying to figure out when to, when we're going to see each other, but they, they made my experience in Finland so great that if I didn't have to adult, that I would definitely stay out there. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So kind of moving on, we, uh, you know, read, you know, you're captain of the Puerto Rican national team. And you also hold the position of the director of the Ice Hockey Association. So I just wanted to know kind of how you, you know, came about that and how you got that position and, um, you know, come some of the details of that. Yeah. So I actually stepped down from the director position after taking the coaching position here at Paul Smith. Makes sense. But while I had my position, um, it was great, honestly, being able to recruit and just in nicer terms, like basically stalk people and see um, whether or not they had any Puerto Rican heritage because, you know, we come in all shades of color. Right. So that made it 10 times worse <laughs> in trying to figure things out and just bothering people. But I mean, it ultimately worked, especially on the women's side. I basically recruited like 98% of the team which ranges in, we have girls who are 14 all the way up to 
uh, I believe one of the girls there was like in her 40s. Oh, okay. But it worked out. The, um, the association has grown so much in such a short amount of time. And it's just getting bigger, especially trying to get ice on the island and everything. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I had read in a William Douglas article um, that uh, you had become an ambassador because of the lack of diversity in women's hockey and that uh, you would love to be a woman that other girls and women can look up to and connect with. Uh, how? I would say that you have accomplished that, um, that you are an ambassador and that you are somebody that young women and girls can look up to um, and connect with. So, like, how how does that make you feel being in that position, you know, now once you had said that, um, you know, in particular being, um, you know, the women's coach at Paul Smith College um, in, upper, in, in New York and then um, also the fact that you were the captain of the Puerto Rico women's team at the Amerigo Latin Cup and the championships and uh, – so kind of again, like, you know, what is it to be able to be that person that you needed when you were younger? Like, how does that feel? And, you know, what would that be like? And what kind of advice would you be giving now to younger women that want to step into your shoes eventually? It's, it's an unreal type of, like, moment, like, thinking about it. Because to me, I feel like I'm not where I would like to be. And then speaking to these young girls it's like oh man i hate getting emotional <laughs> yeah no you're, it's, yeah, yeah please it's, it's great you know like being able to be a big sister to these girls who need it so much because the fact that i never had it and being able to be there it's the best feeling knowing that i'm helping them and just being there for them whether it's providing gear or money for them to be able to go to a clinic or just being there for them to vent, whether it's about hockey or just life itself, because, you know, life is just, it can be so much, especially being a woman and a woman of color. It's a lot. And just being able to be helpful in any way that I can, it's just, very fulfilling and I put everything for them and and it's not just about me and like you know whatever publicity there is you know like how we had the miracle tournament and the parents wanted me to be in the pictures when we had Anthony Duclair come out and I'm and I remind the parents I'm like this is not about me this is about the kids this is their experience Mm -hmm. I'm just here to help them get there so that's like one of my biggest things i love that and um you had said that you're not where you want to be uh, one of my favorite quotes is that um you know lazy people do just enough and wonder why they're not where they want to be but successful people do more than enough and still think it's not enough so clearly you're a very successful person um and you have that mindset if you're where you're at right now and you know you still have this fire in your belly to want to do more so uh you know could not could not, uh, again, agree with you more on just, you know, being an individual that, um, you know, who you wanted to, who you needed when you were younger. And that, uh, again, you know, it's about these kids. And, uh, you know, your story about uh, Anthony Duclair um, is super powerful because, um, yeah, you know, there is so much of that nowadays where a lot of people are, you know, what's in it for me instead of what's in it for we. Um, so very often um, 
uh, we kind of forget that. So uh, just love that you're doing that. Um, I, I do want to transition a little bit now to your your college coaching. So um, just, you know, you are now the coach at Paul Smith College. That's in New York for anybody that, um, you know, wants to look that up. And uh, so, but prior, you were coaching um, U16. And I, you know, realized that, um, you know, that might be a, a jump. Like, is it a jump? Like, you know, what what is the biggest adjustment from uh, coaching, you know, an incredibly high-level U16 team to now coaching, you know, a very high-level college team? Yeah, so I've always wanted to coach uh, college hockey. You know, the biggest difference is that, like, I get to have that one-on-one with these girls on the college level, unlike the younger girls. I am very honest. I am, you know, I don't really hold my tongue back, but also I do it in a way where I'm still very respectful, unlike the... 16U, 14U level where you have to really keep in mind the way and how you speak to these girls because they're so young and, you know, one wrong word can basically, like, determine whether or not they want to continue to play hockey in a sense. You have to be keep in mind, like, how if you're yelling at one of these girls, that may not work for them because, you know, they may be more sensitive. So it's just a lot of things you have to think about when coaching the 14, 16, and 19 U level. And it's not much different on the college level, but I don't have to go through a parent right. to coach. So that was right. one of my biggest things. Okay, yeah. I was, yeah. was going to ask, um, you know, do you kind of, you know, now that you're coaching, do you take, you know, kind of some of the experiences you had growing up at, you know, good or bad with some of your coaches uh, throughout the years? Do you kind of, you know, use that as, you know, tools to kind of, you know, teach kind of like you were saying, teach your girls, you know, or get messages across in different ways? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I'm very open that my college experience was not the greatest. Low-key traumatizing, but you don't need to get into that. Mm -hmm. If you want to, (laughs) if you want to, but no. Oh, my God. It's just. You know, I just really, it's very clear that a lot of coaches, depending where they're from, don't know how to coach a player of color. And they Mm -hmm. base off of how to treat them is by their stereotypes. And it's very, very clear. And I don't think a lot of coaches understand that players of color just want to be treated just like everybody else. And when it comes to that, for example, at Finlandia, I had gotten in trouble, which I know Kendall knows about. I had gotten into some trouble where resulted into me getting suspended for two games, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. My teammate that next year had gotten into just as bad um, trouble. She did not lose her captain letter or get suspended. Yes. So it's just oh, yeah. stuff like that where you need to hold everybody accountable. The over-discipline that we see in, like, the school system for young, young, uh, you know, black and brown people, right? Like, these are just some yeah. of the things that, you know, we don't have to beat around the bush here, right? I mean, like, that's exactly what, you know, we all we all know happens. And, um, I, you know, I, I could not agree more. And, um, you know, thank you for sharing that, Jazz, just because, honestly, right, like, a lot of times, 
you know, that is more of the, of the dark side of hockey that we deal with as people of color had, you know, deal with. And that's why literally somebody like Kendall and you as yourself as like coaches. And I, I also coach as myself, like, but I'm, um, you know, us being in those positions is so important because of what you just said. I mean, like, and I've honestly, I, I had the greatest coaches for the most part, like, you know, um, especially Eddie Dino, hundred uh, percent. And, um, you know, but even then, right. Like there was just certain things of like, it's hard to know, what a young person of color is going through if you've never been a young person of color, you know? And so like, it's just one of those things where, um, in, in the inverse, right? Like you might want to say, okay, well then how does it having a, you know, a, f- a team of like white players as a black coach and how are they going to relate to you? But like, you know, ultimately I would kind of like say it, right. It's like one of those, like if, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. So like if you treat people that are, you know, um, different at the bottom, then everybody benefits from that. Right. So like at the end of the day, like, you know, I don't see how, how that could be a problem if you were to have like a black coach with, you know, white players as well, that just like, you know, having that kind of representation is always going to be good for the game. So uh, really, again, like I'm, I, I had, you know, experiences that, uh, you know, we could get into on the show sometime and, you know, we'd want to have you just come back as again as a guest in general. But um, yeah, thank you for, you know, talking about that and, you know, sharing that more personal side of, of the game. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, it definitely needs to be talked about, you know, and that side of coaching needs to change. One of the biggest things that I tell my girls here at Paul Smith is that, you know, that the the two worst things in life is a liar and a thief. And I'll give you more respect if you can keep it 100% with me. Like, yeah, I'll be mad. And yes, there will be consequences, but it will not be as bad compared to you lying about it yeah right i could not agree more <laughs> yeah. i could not agree more that is a right. that is incredible uh quote and uh you know that's the way to live life right nobody wants to be around a liar or a thief right and that um right you know, if you give your uh, just honesty right honesty is is the key to you know honestly you know the truth will set you free um and you're you're right. the first uh college coach you know we've had on the show jazz and like uh so this is, I think, a great just opportunity for our listeners, to be honest. We have a lot of young young women, young girls that are listeners. Um, and maybe one day, you know, would be playing for you um, or, you know, had the opportunity to do something, like, amazing like that. Um, I, I'd also read in the another different, actually, um, Bill Douglas article that um, you wanted to, um, you know, as a goal of coaching um, is to, before even you were at Paul Smith, was to bring more diverse players and expand. Oh, no, this is when you're at Paul Smith, but expand um, – the the school and hockey wise as well like as so one as a coach um like to potential like players that you know you would as you know you recruit like what are you looking for um so like what are you looking for as far as a coach uh you know on the ice but also off the ice and then um you know how do you or like what are your goals for expanding are your plan for expanding the game at paul smith my biggest thing, and this also comes with my experience, you know, I want players that have the ability to play and keep up, but also I want someone with the attitude that they know they need to try 110% on and off the ice. I had teammates that who would openly talk about how they don't even try and practice, and yet they're the first line every mm-hmm. single time. Mm-hmm. And that used to rub me off the wrong way where I would try 110% on and off the ice and I would get 
scratch compared to girls who, especially who I knew I was better than, my teammates knew who I was better than, and yet they would still just be able to be on the bench. Right. So my biggest thing, you know, just try, you know, put in that work. You're here to play college hockey. You're here to play on that elite level. So I need everyone to give in 110%. Yeah. I just, so I didn't necessarily want to ask you this, but you are somebody that speaks your mind and I I love that. So like as a coach, that is a player of, that is a person of color. Um, like, you know, not in a, um, like, you know, are you, are you looking for, you know, players of color and in a way that maybe other coaches wouldn't be, you know, if there's, you know, somebody might catch your eye, like, you know, are you, would you be looking, you know, I don't want to say that that much, but like, what, I guess in a, in a sense, do young players of color, do you, do you see them and you want to work with them, um, you know, to be that mentor for them more often? Oh yeah, not, yeah. sure. Like, um, we have on my recruiting list, we have one girl who plays for the Argentina national team, wow. <laughs> one that plays on the Puerto Rican national team. I have one that verbally committed that Asian American, um, yeah, wow. one that applied that African American, you know, they all have the ability to play. Wow. And I have, um, met a handful of players of color at the Beantown tournament who, have the ability to go so far. And I know that they're so much better than what my program has to offer because we are ACHA. Mm -hmm. And I told them, I give them my card. I'm like, Hey, you know, I know this is not the program you're looking for, but if you need any help whatsoever from a coach's perspective, do not hesitate to call me. That's awesome. I was going to ask, well, I was going to say, you know, is it hard to find, you know, when you're out there recruiting, kids of color but it sounds like um you are seeing you know a handful or a good majority of them so uh, do you think it's just again given you know coaches giving kids opportunities to you know get in those positions in the, i think yeah i was gonna yeah exactly yeah i was gonna say that's well kendall like please please <laughs> i think hockey has bec- is becoming more and more accessible compared to when i was playing where Besides Sydney Kinder and Kelsey Colzer, I did not see any other scratch that and Nina Rogers. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I had not met any other player of color besides like an Asian American. There's always at least one right. on each team. But besides that, those three, those were the only ones I had met in playing. And of course, playing against Nina Rogers, who is the assistant coach at Dartmouth mm-hmm. and played for the North American Hockey Academy. Of course, we always gravitated to each other because we were so different despite playing on different teams. Right. So with the more accessibility now, you see it more and more at the more popular tournaments. But even then, you know, it's like, very hard to find them at the same time because mm-hmm. there are so many parents who have told me how they don't want their child to play on a specific team because they're known to be racist and they refuse to oh, wow. have them a part of that organization despite how good that organization is. 
So, you know, if there were more organizations that would stand up against this BS, we would definitely see more players of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I was going to kind of say there um, was juxtaposing what Kendall had said with the corporate world where, and you know, and things are changing more now, but people would say, well, we don't have a lot of black executives because there's not black executive talent. And, you know, we, we know how far from that the truth is. And I, right. I think about something with your, um, well, with the, the tournament down in Florida and how the two teams that were taking, you know, that were competing for the championship. And I brought this up before on the show, but with Puerto Rico versus Egypt, right. And how, um, you know, look at there with all this, we have so much young talent and I, I love to hear that you're bringing in, you know, a person of color from Argentina. I mean, that, that just warms my heart. Um, and from Puerto Rico and, because, you know, we know how in men's hockey, for instance, right, there are a lot of um, players from Russia and from, um, you know, some of the Nordic countries and, you know, et cetera, who are coming to these uh, teams and playing and as they should be. But when you think of it from, you know, a perspective from women's hockey, you didn't you don't see that as much. So um, and just what you're talking about building out your roster is why we need more people of color as coaches. I mean, you're you're the prime mm-hmm. example, in my opinion, because right then and there, you know, I don't know of another coach who would, if they weren't seeking out that kind of player to be going to a place like Argentina to find that kind of talent. And, you know, now we know that now that happens, there's going to be more people that can have that opportunity. So um, the work that you're doing is so incredible. Um, uh, So, We'll probably let you go here really quick just because we, we could have you here forever, I'm sure. <laughs> There's so many questions <laughs> I ask you, honestly, but you're busy, and I know you probably have some games to prepare for. But what was the experience like for you um, with the 2022 Latin M Cup? And then what is your dream um, for it? Like, where do you see it going in the next five, ten years? I mean, just going to Amerigo, like, Florida to play against people who look just like me it's always it's such a refreshing feeling having to be myself where I can play the music that I love without being (laughs) judged like that's like one of the biggest things and be able to communicate with others in the same language besides English like Mm -hmm. not many of us can speak Spanish to a person who plays hockey like it's just unheard of and I can't speak too much on it because my position that I have with Marigold, but it's becoming so much bigger. And what we have planned is so much bigger than what you've seen already. <laughs> okay, so That's stay awesome. tuned. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite. Literally. Okay. <laughs> literally. There's just so much stuff that is being planned and I'm so grateful to have Juan Carlos, the host and owner of Amerigold to have me a part of it as well. Wow. So it's just so much greatness coming out of this. Well, awesome. Yeah. Jazz, we thank you so much for, for your time and uh, just good luck this season. And we would love to have you back. Just a quick shout out to Parker Reno. Um, he's sponsored a, a book donation of 25 books for a class uh, for anti-bullying. So thank you so much. And just again, to our listeners, we can't wait to have you back and uh, to be able to listen to another great show. So thank you so much, Jazz. Kendall, do you want to have any parting thoughts here? Yeah, Jazz, uh, 
I was kind of laughing. Uh, Tony was asking me uh, who was more popular at Finlandia, me or you. And I said, <laughs> I said you for sure. You're the life of the party. Everyone was asking, you know, where Jazz was or what is she going, you know, got going. <laughs> Dude, the amount of parties, man. I know we had a good time. We made we made the best of a you know outright situation. I would say. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So no, no. Thanks again for coming on, and it was good catching up with you. And we'll definitely have you back on and check in with you and see how your season's going and whatever else you got going on. I know you wear a lot of different hats, so thanks for coming on. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Would love to have you guys come out for HPOT as well. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We will uh, 100% hold you to that. So thank <laughs> you so much, Jazz, and uh, good luck this season, and have a great day. Thank you so much to our listeners, and we hope to hear you back. Have you back. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I can do what I wanna and make you a believer. Here you say I from stadium to street corner. I make you a believer. Make you say I. I can do what I wanna.